Hey, Chloe. Hey, Ralph. How are you going? Yeah. Great. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Another, another, another week, another episode of Elephants. Yeah. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, this is a this is a juicy one. Mm. So, um, not as long of a, an intro today. I haven't actually haven't had anyone really well. <laughs> haven't haven't had any queries slide into my uh, DMs or um, any date offers. But this is the <laughs> this is the funny thing. What I have had <laughs> is since talking about it seemingly. We all know the world is listening. Everyone's listening when you talk about these things. It's like, you know, you know when you talk about something and all of a sudden it pops up as an ad. Mm. Is that, does that happen to you as well? You get ads on Facebook and Instagram when you've yeah. talked about something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I haven't had any date offers, but I've been reached out to by a company. They're quite insistent twice on wanting me to promote um, – uh, an adult pleasure product. Oh, great. <laughs> so I think I think I might have said I'm single too many times, and uh, yeah, and <laughs> in return they want they want a certain amount of uh, Instagram posts and and a video. Uh, do do so, you want to give it a bit of a plug now? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a female empowerment product. They tell me. That's so, awesome. Um, well, we're all we're all for female empowerment, aren't we? We are. We are all for female. I just it just it just look. It really made me chuckle. It really made my day. It's like it it, it wasn't someone reaching out for me to promote. You know some active wear or or some this or that. No, it was. Um, <laughs> yeah. So there you go. There you go. So anyway, that's that's my chuckle of the week. Hmm. Well, I think yeah. you know, I, I'm, I feel optimistic. I feel that's you know, it's a step in the right direction. Let's say. <laughs> and I've been getting lots of DMs just from listeners asking me about my love life. But um, yeah, so well, just ask I them if they've it. got. Ask them if they if they know anyone. If they know, okay, yeah, this is true. We can pivot this. So yeah, I that's hilarious. Okay, wow. What's the elephant in the room today? Um, I think it's a, a massive one, um, and it's it's bigger than all of Pilates. It, this happens in medicine. It happens in physiotherapy. It happens in um, I'm sure it happens in exercise physiology in fitness. Mm -hmm. um, probably happens in a lot of areas of, of life. Uh, and the elephant is that um, practitioners who uh, are more experienced have more years of experience. Uh, are better, more knowledgeable, more effective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'd love to talk about this, you know, how do we communicate uh, or, or how do you express uh, a differing opinion uh, with, with someone who is potentially your superior uh, and with your colleagues and some strategies to, to do that. All right, and um, and knowing. Uh, all right, so all right, so two kind of related topics. One is, you know, people who are in people who occupy you know, positions or senior positions within the industry. So they might be your boss or your supervisor or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or maybe just you know someone who's more experienced and doesn't you know who you don't work with. Uh, you know. How do you have a conversation with that person if you have a disagreement? And, uh, you know, should you, in fact, just kind of take their word for it and assume that they're right because they, quote, know more because they're more experienced? Spoiler mm. alert, no. Okay, so the yeah. podcast is over. Yeah. Okay. okay, great. That Good was chat. a fun one, yeah. guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, we haven't solved the problem of how do you, how do you have the conversation. No, we haven't. No, yeah. we haven't. And, and yeah. probably um, – I probably I'd like to expand on that a little bit more anyway, that point. Yeah, I would love you to. Yeah, so, so you know, why do you think this is, you know, why, why do you perceive this to be something worth talking about? Oh, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. Um, so whenever I think about something like this, I reflect on what do I believe is my ultimate goal? 
in what I am doing. Like what? Uh, so I guess I mean for me. I, my job is, and, and it might not be everyone, like this is just for me. I'm not saying this is our job. I'm saying this is my job. My job is to promote fearless movement, to, you know, I, I, I break down the bullshit, yeah, and help elevate health literacy. That's That's how I see my role. Okay, so uh, for me, it, it's important to not just sit back, but for me, it's important to call the bullshit, but there's different ways to call out the bullshit and there's different times and places for it, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it might be a little, th- uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but that's that's how I see it. Uh, I also want to empower um new grads to so by that I mean new new teachers, new instructors, uh, to feel confident in well, and I guess from here I am actually speaking in terms of our graduates because I know that our graduates are in fact equipped with the most up-to-date evidence-based best practice. When they, when they go out into the world and then what I see, you know, as they come up against the, the colleague or the studio manager or the whatever uh, or the client who basically says, hey, you didn't tell me to activate my pelvic floor by X, Y, Z percent and you didn't tell me to engage my core before I did this, therefore that's dangerous. So I want to equip them too how to have those conversations, um, yeah, that's how I see it, Raph. How about you? Yeah, I think um, pretty similar, but I think, you know, I kind of see it as, uh, you know, we're in this really exciting time now. We're in this, we're we're in a a transition from one paradigm to another. You know, we're in the middle of a paradigm shift in the health world. Um, And, you know, say 25 years ago, 20 years ago, Pilates was in line, you know, the thinking, the the mainstream thinking in Pilates, you know, the the common, the ideas that people who taught Pilates, you know, commonly had about how the body works and and all of that stuff were pretty much in line with with accepted, you know, exercise science and psychology and pain science and whatever. Um, And in the last 20, 25 years, that science has moved on, but Pilates is now some, some, for some reason got stuck in 2001 and hasn't mm-hmm. moved on, and and hence, you know, there's a great opportunity for you and me to have this podcast, which you know, that's the world's loss is our gain, um, and and so our job, you know, is what is as you say to help people, you know, let go of that dogma and bullshit and move fearlessly and think critically and become scientifically literate and and have great health literacy, and you know, shine the light of of reason and science upon. All, all of that and flush out all the bad juju. Um, and I think part of, you know, part of the reason that is important to, to me is to, uh, you know, to help the end user, you know, the, the client, you know, to get the best results and the best experience and, you know, the best treatment. And probably even a bigger part is to, for me, is to, is to help the, the practitioners, you know, the Pilates instructors out, out there in the world who are listening to this, um, who feel like, you know, maybe they have doubts and or maybe they they feel like they, you know, something just doesn't make sense to them. Like they can't understand why and they think it must be them that's like kind of dumb and not getting it. But in reality, like everybody's actually thinking the same thing. <laughs> and it is just it's actually the idea that's dumb, not the people <laughs> who are questioning it. So, you know, um, I think this is a really, really important topic. Because uh, you know, how do you have conversations with people when there's when there's a difference of opinion? And I think we're not very good at this in the Pilates world. I think we we have uh, you know up until recently had this a very kind of tribal mentality. Like if you believe this, you're on our team, and if you believe that, means you're on the other team, sort of thing. Um, as opposed to like, well, you know, two or more intelligent, rational people can disagree about something and have a 
intelligent, rational conversation about it and try and figure out what the correct answer is between them rather than digging mm. in and entrenching and going, no, I'm just going to try and defend my position come hell or high water, you know, mm. you know, like why don't we just have a conversation where I, I come into it thinking like, well, you know, what if I'm wrong about this, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, so – and and if you know if you're a younger clinician, I don't, a younger practitioner, I don't mean necessarily younger in years. I mean younger in years of experience um, in this industry, and you're kind of in a junior position, um, you know. And and you're you're starting to become aware of this evidence, this idea of evidence based practice and guidelines and systematic reviews and you know mm. science, and you're you've become convinced of you know one or another ways of you know improving your practice right maybe it's to do with cueing maybe it's to do with not teaching core activation anymore maybe it's to do with not worrying about posture you know whatever it is and now you're in a situation where that creates some kind of conflict whether it's a conflict just with someone on social media or whether it's it's sort of a an interaction with a client where the client wants you know they say oh why don't you check my posture or should i be activating my core in this exercise or maybe it's a conflict with a colleague you know maybe it's a direct conflict where the colleague says oh how come i never see you you know correct people's posture in class or maybe it, it's a conflict like an indirect conflict where the client comes into your class and you say hey everyone we're going to do lunges and they're like oh i can't do lunges because you know xyz instructor on tuesday nights at this same studio tells me i can't bend my knee because of my osteoarthritis <laughs> you know or 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 maybe it's with your boss and your boss you know says oh, i need you to use the word core at least seven times in every class <laughs> otherwise <laughs> you're not doing mm. your job <laughs> and, and i've had and i've had a grad you know say exactly that to me and she's like well i don't even know what to say to that i'm like let's have a chat about it <laughs> hi everyone core 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 okay core, great core. let's start class yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm good i'm glad we solved that problem yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and so, you know, I think, you know, as a new, newish grad, you know, whether you graduated five minutes ago or maybe five years ago, um, I, you know, I put all of those people in the kind of relatively young in the industry, you know, basket. And I think that's, that's most of us. Um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily, like Chloe said, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily your job to go out there and evangelize and change everybody's mind and, you know, bring the, the good word to the, to the masses. You know, if you want to join us on that mission, great, high five, welcome. But um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think I'll get you a cape. Yeah, yeah, we'll get you a badge and everything. Um, but you know, I don't think that I don't think that's your mission unless you choose to take it upon yourself. And it, exactly, yeah. and that's why I was very clear in saying that's very that's mine. Mm. And and also, and we've spoken about this before, Raf. You and I are in a unique position where you and I can do this and not get fired. Right. Right. Like you and I can say, you, you know, we've talked about this and yeah. it is a privileged position yeah. to be in. And and I would say that it was not the position that I would have been in when I first started out. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But I think that, um, you know, even though it's not people's mission unless they choose to take it on to go and sort of change everyone else's mind, um, you know, we do have to, you know, coexist in this world yeah. with others. Um, and uh, at the same time, we have to, uh, you know, practice in a way that is congruent with our values. And if you are convinced by the science that, you know, there is a certain way of doing things that is either, you know, really good or really not good, um, well, you know, if you're in a workplace or a situation professionally where kind of you're, you know, pre you feel pressure or you're you know, flat out told to work in a way that you, you see as actually not in the client's best interest, um, well, that's not going to be good for you. It's not going to be good for the client. It's not going to be good for the workplace. So how do we navigate that situation? Not just in the workplace, but you know, how do we navigate, navigate that situation in the industry? So have we set that up? Yeah, definitely. I reckon that's that's pretty good. I think we've, we've got, a, got a pretty good uh, mission today. All right, so, so can, can we start by just examining the underlying assumption um, that more experienced practitioners are in fact like more knowledgeable? And can we just like mm. get rid of that? 
Because mm. um, well, yeah. it's it's like when we talk about you know uh, I love it when Adam Adam Meekins shout out to Meeks uh, when he talks about and he's for those that don't know Adam. Um, a, I'll probably be surprised if you don't know Adam by now. He's <laughs> he's he's an amazing physio, um, and he's very very popular on Instagram um, and everywhere else. So he goes by. Let me have a look. The sports physio, the sports physio, and you know he's done quite quite a few um, written quite a few blogs now on the the physio dinosaurs. So basically, you know, a lot of the time these outdated notions of um, how the body works, how this or that, you know, needs to be done is actually antiquated um, and is being still pushed, applied, whatever you want to say, by, by as he refers to them, the physiodinosaurs. Mm. And, and, you know, and then you see the new physios coming through that are learning the latest in, you know, the science around pain and, you know, all these, all these things that are, are coming through uh, in education now because we know that, what is it 17 years, Raph, that it takes? Uh, something like that. I, I, you know, the number I've got in mind is like 13 or 14 years, but, I, you know, it's like who cares? It's like. If it's, it's, so, it's so more it's than a, a really, decade. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's more than a decade for new evidence to be applied uh, in curriculums. Is yeah. is what I've yeah. is what I've heard uh, when we're talking about universities and whatnot. So if we're saying that you know if we're using the 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 incorrect except for, except for breathe education except for breathe education and also I just want to actually be mindful here of saying that we're not saying that just because you've been in the industry for a long time, you are not up to date because oh, you thanks. absolutely I'm, – I'm glad you said that because I've been in the industry a long time. I was starting to get yeah. worried. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to say that anyone that's been in the industry for longer than five years uh, is not up to date with current best practice, but I'm also saying that there are a lot that aren't. And as you said, that is not just in the Pilates realm. Uh, that's – that's really throughout the the health health and fitness realm. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to slightly modify what you said there and just say, mm-hmm. like from my perspective, no, we're not. We're certainly not saying. I agree with you. We're not saying that you know just because you've been in the industry longer than five years, that means you don't know what you're talking about. That's absolutely not what we're saying. But statistically, it's likely to be the case. That's what right. I'm saying. Yeah. So you've got a you've got a little segue now into some stats for us. I'm sure there. Yeah. Now right. there's there are no stats on on this uh, area of research within the Pilates realm um, because I think uh, you know one or two stats I've read. Like I think one we quoted in the prenatal elephants, the pregnancy elephants episode was basically almost all Pilates instructors are ignorant of uh, prenatal guidelines. Um, mm-hmm. Presumably, if you're listening to this, you're not in that group anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, so basically I think in Pilates, we know that there's a high level of ignorance of guidelines and, and best evidence, um, except amongst the listenership of this podcast. Um, but, uh, where we can measure this quite effectively is in medicine and we can measure it must very effectively in medicine because, uh, in medicine, if you're a doctor and you make enough mistakes, your patients end up dying. So, um, what we can do in medicine is actually measure, you know, how many, uh, you know, what percentage of a given do- of patients, you know, who are treated by a given doctor uh, die within, you know, a certain period of time. And um, it turns out that not all doctors are equal. So there was one uh, systematic review um, in 2005 by Chowdhury et al. And they looked at doctors, they had something, a, a few thousand, you know, in their in their sample size. Um, and what they looked at was um, the the quality of care that the doctors provided. So, for instance, like how guideline concordant their their use of diagnostic and screening tests was. You know whether they ordered the you know diagnostic and screening tests that were recommended by the guidelines and didn't order those that were recommended against by the guidelines. Whether they had correct knowledge of current best practice treatments and whether they uh, advocated 
the use of disproved treatments. And what they found was there was an inverse relationship between the quality of care as measured by those things and the number of years of experience of the physician. So uh, here's what they said in their conclusion, quote, our systematic review of empirical studies evaluating the relationship between clinical experience and performance suggests that physicians who have been in practice for more years and older physicians possess less factual knowledge, are less likely to adhere to appropriate standards of care, and may also have poorer patient outcomes, end quote. So, yeah, that that was uh, <laughs> that's pretty scary. Wow. Wow, that, that is actually, uh, I find that quite terrifying. Um, there's another study I found in uh, from the year 2000, uh, Norcini et al., and that is from, they did a study of 31,000 patients uh, who were hospitalised for heart attack. Um, uh, and what they found was there was a, half a percent increase in mortality for every year since the treating physician graduated from medical school. Oh, boy. Um, so, so now there are a bunch more of these, but I won't, I won't you know, go into them all. But basically what, it, what the literature very consistently shows is that doctors, uh, when they graduate from medical school, they basically their knowledge is frozen in time at that instant. Um, and so if you're 20 years out of medical school, you know, chances are their knowledge is 20 years out of date, right? And as we just said, what they learned in medical school is probably 14 to 17 years out of date in the first place. So oh, yeah. we're now talking like, you know, more than a quarter of a century, you know, close to a half century of, um, you know, lag um, in in best practice there. So um, now, obviously, this doesn't apply to all doctors, but it it applies to a a majority um, in these studies. And this was in, you know, the early 2000s. So things may have changed since then, but asterisk, I've read a couple of more recent studies and they haven't. Um, (laughs) So there are a couple in physiotherapy. Uh, Well, I found this other one that said, um, this was from 2012, um, uh, it was a systematic review of how many doctors used systematic reviews. And what they found was 78% of doctors do not use systematic reviews. So systematic reviews oh, are, no. you know, I mean, we've I've linked to a few dozen of them in the show notes of this podcast. Basically, they're the, the, the highest quality uh, scientific, you know, resource that's available to us. Oh, no. Um, and 78%. So that's that's more than three don't quarters of doctors don't use them. So that's how they manage to not keep up to date, right? They just simply don't read systematic reviews. Wow. So um, if you're a doctor and you're reading systematic reviews, you're awesome. <laughs> Um, I feel like I want to ask the next time I go and see a GP. I want to say so. I want a new grad. Let's have a let's have a <laughs> let's have a chat about those systematic reviews you've read recently. What's a systematic review? Yeah, um, I want yeah, a new grad. And, and yeah. Absolutely, and it, and it's funny though, isn't it? Because I've I must admit my own bias when I go to the doctors is I I tend to err away from the doctor that looks like they're. 15 years younger than me mm, mm. Uh, for the doctor who's, yeah, like I Got must the, admit. The old salt and pepper hair happening. Yeah, you know? yeah. On, in, in all honesty, I do. And is, that's interesting, isn't mm, it? I've got mm. to check. I really need to check my own bias there because mm. I, it looks like I'm doing myself quite the disservice and it could end up killing me. Well, as they're wheeling, um, <laughs> as they're wheeling you into emergency room on the gurney, you know, after you have your heart attack, just say, I want to be treated by the youngest doctor in the hospital. <laughs> send me send, send me Dookie Hauser. <laughs> um, so He's probably old now. I found yeah. a few in um, closer to home in physiotherapy, which is the closest I could find uh, to, yep. to Pilates. Um, and so here's one from 2019, um, and they surveyed Israeli physiotherapists, and what they found was less than 7% of them knew the World Health Organization Physical Activity Guidelines for Healthy Adults. Wow. Now, you know, if, if you've done our course or are doing our course, you'll, you know, you'll be either laughing or crying into your teacup right now because that you know we drum that in from day zero of the course and we mm. you know we don't let up uh, and let me tell you that the world health 
organization guidelines for physical activity, I can tell you them in about 15 seconds. It's do 150 minutes of moderate intensity cardio every week and two to three resistance training sessions. That's it, right? Like it's not freaking and, and, and you're telling me that these physios <laughs> don't know. Physiotherapists. Right. So less than 7% of Israeli physiotherapists knew the World Health Organization's physical activity guidelines for healthy adults. And novice physios, or in other words, people who are fewer than five years post-graduation, knew them significantly better than more experienced practitioners. And that's Yona et al. 2019. And I'll link to all these in the show notes. So, and you think, you know, physiotherapists, I mean, they're, they're involved in exercise prescription, right? That's part of their yes, core job function. Yes, this is why I, I almost fell off my chair when you said that. Right. I, I, I can't even comprehend that they wouldn't know those so, guidelines. So, we're setting a pretty low bar so far, aren't we? We're setting a low bar. Um, we are setting a low bar, yeah. Um, in this study of US, I think it was US physiotherapists, what they found was, oh no, sorry, it was New Zealand physiotherapist. What they found was physiotherapists with higher biomedical beliefs. Um, we'll talk about what that is. Uh, so that's basically um, a belief that pain and disability result from a specific structural impairment and that treatment is then you know, selected to address that impairment. So that's basically what a biomedical belief is, and we've talked about that a fair bit. Uh, it's basically the view of body, of body as machine. So physiotherapists with a higher biomedical beliefs are 1.5 times less likely to give guidance, concordant advice or treatment for people with low back pain. So one and a half times less likely to give guideline, concordant advice and treatment. Um, and um, similar amongst Australian physiotherapists, uh, higher biomedical orientation score um, was associated with advice to delay return to work advice to delay return to activity and a belief that return to work or activity is a threat to the patient. And that's Gardner et al. 2017. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's lots of evidence now in, you know, diverse professions and diverse kind of, um, measures that, uh, basically, uh, you know, most, prof- you know, in the health health professions, most professionals, you know, don't keep up with the evidence. So basically the further they are from graduation, you know, the, the, the longer it's been since they graduated, the, the, the less up to date they are, basically. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, so how, okay, so let's relate this. Let's loop it back into the Pilates, Pilates realm. Yeah, well, all right. So if somebody if somebody's telling you you're wrong, you know, uh, you sh- you should uh, listen to what they've got to say because they might be right. But the very fact that they've got twenty years of experience is not an argument in support of their assertion, right? So you're wrong, and I know you're wrong because I've got twenty years of experience mm-hmm. is is a flawed argument. You know, it's 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 not uh, it's not a sound argument. So, uh, you know, if they've got actual reasons, <laughs> then you should, you know, listen to those reasons and consider them. Um, but, you know, just you know, the fact that they have more experience or a certain amount of experience is neither here nor there. In fact, it's probably more likely to be there rather than here. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's ways that you can go about having these conversations. So you – and I, and I speak to – and we have a whole topic on this. Uh, we, we speak about this in quite a lot of detail in our, our diploma. We do. Uh, is that because, you know, when people are working in, you know, if you clinical clinical Pilates, you may find that you are indeed working more closely with allied health professionals and allied health professionals who may have a differing viewpoint to you um, or a differing understanding of something than you. Uh, so these conversations should always be approached with respect. And and as you said, that the person might be right. There might be something to learn from it. The person may also be wrong. So there's not, you know, it's not just an assumption that they'll be right. But the the conversation is a, as approached with respect. It's always done privately. That's really important. Um, so these conversations, uh, a disagreement in an understanding of something shouldn't be happening in front of the client. 
I think that's incredibly important. Um, it's a really quick way to uh, impact therapeutic alliance and impact the trust of the client in mm. either practitioner. And I have seen things like this done in front of clients before and um, not by me, but I have seen this done in front of clients before and it is, it's awkward for everyone. Everyone, they, nothing good can come out of that. Um, so these, this should be uh, respectful. It should be done privately, and it should be done as a as an invitation to a discussion. Is that resonating with you, Raf? So you know, I'm going to if like let's say it was you and I. And we were different, which would be, un you know, I guess you and I sometimes just, differ about things, don't we? I, and we have a. Yeah, just say I had a high biomedical orientation. And just say yeah, you just, were, just say I was your employer and just say you were, you know, teaching away, teach, 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 teach. And I walk past and you see me staring at you with kind of googly eyes for a bit and then I walk off. And then after class, one time I come up to you and I say, you know what? How come I never see you, you know, like Q pelvic floor? You know, why don't you Q pelvic floor a bit more? And and how what I would say is I'd love to have a discussion with you about that, Raf. You up for a up for a chat? To which I hope you're gonna say, yeah, sure, Chloe. And sure, and Chloe. then have we're sure, thanks. <laughs> prompt, prompt. And from there, I'd be like, first, it would be I'd love to hear why you would like why why you feel it's valuable to cue pelvic floor, you know, and, and let you talk and I wanna hear what you've got to say. Mm. Okay. Then I'm going to, you know, take that on. Well, I'm going to hear you and it's important that I hear you. I don't jump over you with but, 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 but. So I hear you. I listen. I zip my lips. Yeah. And then I say, thank you for sharing with that, that with me. Would you like to, um, would you like me to share with you some of what I know about uh, current uh, best practice around queuing or yada yada or yada yada and and yeah that's how I would do it. How about you? Yeah, that's pretty much what I what I do too. Um, I would I would I th you know I think that was well well done, Chloe. That was a good role play. Thank you. Um, uh, I think I I, I would uh, in in a you know I think I would sort of take I would like to just take a step back at this point and just go okay. Uh, you know, when 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 do you not need to have a conversation like that? Okay, so when when is it okay to just kind of, you know, how how do you know? Well, all right, I think let's zoom out again. Mm -hmm. There, are, all right. So there, you know, we have to coexist with other people in the universe, and you know, statistically, some of those people are going to have different views on certain topics than than we do. So you know, we're going to run into people who, from time to time, we've got different views than us in the world. Uh, and so we have to be able to, you know, get along with these folk um, and we have to sort of have some kind of, um, you know, boundaries and, and knowing like, okay, what's what's a deal breaker for us and what can we kind of, you know, what can we live with and what's like not even worth worrying about sort of thing. Um, and so I think like in, you know, because there are, there are different situations. So just say, uh, you know, it's that situation where, you know, someone's employer says, oh, why don't you, you know, cue pelvic floor or why don't you ever, you know, correct people's posture in class or why don't you cue transversus abdominis or whatever. And you're thinking, well, because there's really good evidence showing that's bloody useless. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, that's a conversation you have to have because that's your boss saying, hey, I want you to do this thing. And you're thinking like, uh, I really don't, you know, feel comfortable doing that. And I think, you know, underneath that kind of discomfort, um, there, you know, I think there are probably a couple of questions which you've probably implicitly asked yourself already, but I think it's worth making them explicit. And the first one is, you know, is there a net benefit or harm to the client, right? So if 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 your boss comes to you and says, you know, hey, I really want you to make sure Mrs. Jones always gets on that corner reformer because that's her favourite one, right? Well, you know, you might roll your eyes and go, oh, bloody hell, you know whatever, but, you know, you might think, all right, well, what's the harm? If I if I always put her on that same reformer, is that really going to be the end of the world? Um, but then your boss might come to you and say, hey, I want you to make sure that you explain to Mrs. Jones that because her spine's degenerate and as fragile as a, you know, bit of fine china that she should always keep neutral and never bend, 
right? Well, you might feel like, well, actually, yeah, there probably is some harm if I do that. You know, they're probably it's probably not in the client's best interest <laughs> if I do that. So there might be some kind of line in the sand there where you feel like, oh, actually, if I do that, I'll be, you know, forsaking my Hippocratic Oath, you know, which we didn't take as polite as instructors, but the first part of it is first do no harm, right? Mm. Um, and so there's, you know, is there a net benefit or harm to the client, right? So there might be pl- lots of sort of outdated, non-evidence-based practices or just things that are different to the way you do them where it's like, you know what, on balance, the clients are better off at the end of the day anyway, so who cares, you know? Like there might be, maybe there's another instructor who works at your workplace, right? May- and maybe, you know, you what you go to their class and they're over-cueing everything left, right, and center, pelvic floor, this, transversus, abdominus, that, activate your left glute 37, 37%, you know, whatever. And But they also teach an awesome class where they do lots of, you know, dynamic movements and planks and strength work and flexibility work and balance work and they crack funny jokes and they're you know, friendly with the clients and they'd give people high fives and all that stuff. And so you think, all right, they're doing some kind of stupid, you know, not evidence based things and they're doing a bunch of awesome stuff. And on balance, you know, the clients walk out with a smile on their face and, and, you know, come back the next, next time, you know, happy as Larry. So on balance, it's like, well, do you, do you need to do something about that? Or are they, you know, can you just let them, you know, go their way and do their thing? Um, you know, and so there, there's some kind of continuum there from somebody who's, you know, affable and and effective because by on balance they're doing good um and at the other end of the spectrum there's somebody who's you know you feel is on balance you know not benefiting the clients maybe disempowering them no seboing them you know holding them back from progressing gaining strength whatever you know and so at some point you've got to decide okay is there a net benefit or gain to the client and then the 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 other thing is is there is there a net benefit or harm to you right so if you're coexisting with somebody and 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 it's just kind of like really uh, causing you to question yourself, you know, causing you to feel you know less valued, uh, less you know skilled, less you know to trust yourself less. Uh, well, that's a, that's a net harm to you, and that's a situation where you need to do something. And and what you do could be just like move to a different situation. Mm, I've done that before. I've I've left a studio because of that before. They they you, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Or you know, or you could have the conversation, you know. Yeah. Or well, that- I'd had the conversations and the conversations at that point. <laughs> yeah, so and and sometimes places aren't just good fits, right? Not every studio you work for is going to be a good fit for you. It's like that's that's just the nature of well, that's just the nature of adult employment, you know, that's like and, as well. And the curse of, you know, becoming more skilled and more self-aware and more discerning is that actually the 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 number of workplaces that are consistent with you actually diminishes, right? So <laughs> <laughs> didn't you didn't you say to me what what do you say that you're actually You've I'm, made yourself not hireable. I'm basically unemployable at this point. Unemployable. Yeah. That's right. Unemployable. <laughs> basically unemployable. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. But so that's, I, th- you know, doesn't matter. I mean, who cares? I don't need a job. So, and, and you know, you don't, you know, if you're listening to this, we're not advocating that you go out there and get a podcast and start, you know, wailing on people for being biomedical. You know, that that's our, that's our gig. And you can do it if you want, but like all I'm all I'm always suggesting is like if you're in a situation that you feel is diminishing your soul somehow, right? Yeah. That's 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 not a good situation for you. And it's yeah. within your power to do something about that. And you can do something about it by by, you know, respectfully uh and and calmly, you know, and privately, um, you yes. know, confronting your your, you know boss or colleague or whatever, or you can do something about it by just, you know, quietly seeking employment elsewhere, you know. Mm. Um, and, and there are probably, you know, there are probably sort of like lesser degrees where you'd feel like, okay, my soul's not being crushed here, but I'm being asked to do things that I'm kind of like rolling my eyes every time, you know. And, you know, like everyone, you know, you're supposed to say the word core seven times, you know, in every class or whatever, anything. oh, Mm. You know, so you know, but you know, and so there, are, there, are, there, are, there are kind of I think there are degrees of how you can sort of deal with this, uh, you know, issue. And you know, at, at one end we've got like just complying, 
Ah, you know, yes, sir, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. Yes, ma'am. And then you do it, you know, call, 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 call. And then um, at the other end, it's like, no, I refuse to do that. You know, um, that's not, you know, um, I don't feel congruent with that. You know, can we have a talk about it? Or you just go, you know what, I'm just going to look for another job. But in between, on a continuum, there's like maybe what you do is go, yeah, sure, no problem. And then you just don't do it. Yeah, right? and <laughs> also I, I, I totally, and but I also think, you know, I've had some, you know, I've had some, absolutely, I've had some conversations that have gone pear-shaped uh, throughout my career with, with employers or colleagues. I've also had way more, way more than the pear-shaped ones, way more that have turned into an fantastic learning experience and had, you know, colleagues or employers who were just so curious about this different way to do things or this different way to see things that they just simply hadn't been exposed to. So it wasn't that they had stuck their head in the sand, so to speak, or that they were, you know, not cognitively agile. They'd just been going about going about their thing, you know, for however long and just not exposed for whatever reason, for whatever reason to to and then they're like, oh wow. Oh, actually, this is fantastic. Tell me more. Can you send me some more information on it? Can you send me some links? Hey, Chloe, I've looked at the links. Freaking awesome. Can we have a discussion about it? Yeah, I'd love to. Can you send me some more resources? Wow. How can I study more of this? So there's a lot of magic that can come out. And by magic, I mean evidence-based, not woo, (laughs) that can come out of starting a conversation. So I personally, and again, this might just be where I'm at in my career and in my self-belief in, um, yeah, how I feel about things. Uh, I am now, I'm about having the conversations. Um, Having said that, we, we haven't touched on, and this, I'm not talking about the online, I don't enter into the online crap anymore because that just tends to go down a, a slinging match, it seems. Mm. Um, so, you know, and anyway, you, we've talked about that before. I don't think we need to bring that up again. But I'm really talking about those, those real genuine conversations you can have with a fellow instructor and, and with an employer that can lead to, to – real growth like in and and ultimately ultimate goal a better potentially better experience and outcome for the clients and and again broader picture elevates health literacy and i would like to loop this back to um i i love pete o'sullivan professor pete o'sullivan peter o'sullivan uh raf and i are huge fans as it really is I'm, I'm, you guys, if you don't know the work of Pete O'Sullivan, um, you should get over it. Get, 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 as in get into it. Do yourself yeah. a favour. Do yourself a favour. Uh, he really is a leader in the world of the science around uh, pain and uh, rehab and speciality uh, in working with people with low back pain and back pain. And he's he's got a very really quite famous tweet, which is we must relentlessly call out the bullshit. I think he used the word nonsense. Oh, did he? Nonsense, not bullshit. Sorry. Relentlessly call out the nonsense. Are you sure he didn't? He uh, didn't swear in that one. Yeah, I'm fairly sure it was nonsense, but you know, I might be nonsense. wrong. Okay, yeah. Look, I look, I'm paraphrasing, and it seems to be bullshit is a. is a term that I'm enjoying in this podcast. (laughs) We'll link to the tweet. But, yeah, for me, that really resonated Yeah, for me. And I think, um, you know, as you kind of uh, role-played out before and and talked through kind of towards the start is, you know, there are are some actual conversational skills that will make uh, having these types of conversations much more, uh, much easier and much more successful for you. Uh, And so, you know, you 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 kind of, I already kind of mentioned a couple of them, like using Socratic questioning, um, which is basically rather than saying, okay, here's all the things I think, mm. right, or rather than just asking someone, okay, so what do you think, and then not listening to them and just tapping your fingers on, fingers on the table and drum, 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 mm-hmm. drum, and thinking, okay, mm-hmm. I can't wait till they shut up so I can say what I've got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually 
ask them, okay, so I'm really interested to understand and you have to actually, you know, manage to, uh, you know, experience, you have to you have to create for yourself an experience of curiosity here, right? You have to be in a curious mind frame of, you know, what, what, are, what are the reasons for, you know, for saying what you said? You know, mm. why, why do you feel that's important? You know, I'd like to understand. Can you explain it to me? And, and you have to actually want to understand, right? Um, mm. This is not a conversational gambit where you're trying to get them to say yes three times in a row and then you go, ha, ah, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 you know, genuinely try to understand because you never know, they might have some really good reasons, right? You might be wrong about some stuff. You, you know, statistically, you probably are wrong about some stuff. Uh, and you might be wrong about this too. So, you know, they might have some really good reasons and they might say something like, you know what, Chloe, I, I understand and I've read all that research on queuing and motor learning and I'm 100% with you on the whole external queuing thing. But it just so happens that this particular woman, you know, has a referral from a pelvic floor physio and the pelvic floor physio has told me she needs to have these specific cues applied, right? Yep. There might be a good reason in this yeah. particular case or, or in general. Absolutely. Right? So you might yeah. learn you might learn something. You might go, huh, I'm glad I approached this respectfully <laughs> and didn't mm. just yell at you and wag my mm. finger at you. So, you know, so that they might have a good reason. They might know more than you know, right? Or they might say something along the lines of blah, 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 blah. That's what I was taught when I was a kid. You know, tradition, yeah. tradition, tradition. Tradition. That's what I that's what I learn in my course. I yeah. hear that a lot. That's yeah. what I learn. Yeah. That's what we learn at in, you know, yeah. Well, they yeah. might just say, you know, vague, nebulous claim about safety. It's dangerous if you don't activate your muscles. You might deep stabilize your blah blah blah. You know, it's like mm. there's not any logical, you know, mm. thought process there. It's just kind of mouthing some kind of like oh, a few buzzwords like disc and transversus abdominis mm. and stabilization. But mm. you know, all right. But you, then you get to evaluate what they've said, and you get to scratch your head internally and think, okay, does that sound reasonable? Does that sound sound fair? And if you don't understand, if you're not quite sure, you say, look, huh, that's really interesting, and I'm not quite clear. Could you explain a bit more? Because when you said blah and blah and blah, I didn't quite understand how that makes you know that doesn't quite make sense to me. Could you explain that again? You know, and and then you hit them with, you bear the burden of proof. Yeah. No. <laughs> And you say, gotcha. <laughs> no, you don't say that. You don't say that. You don't say that. No? No, because otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, with with all love and respect to Lars Avemarie, you turn into Lars Avemarie, right? And then you're just like going around telling people that they should be more logical, but that doesn't <laughs> Doesn't doesn't always work in my observation. Uh, look, I'm not going to lie on the on on the on the interwebs. I have I have pulled out there. You bear the burden of proof. It's <laughs> and, and and did that convert them? Was no. That it? Were they like, oh, no, Chloe? Just, now now I just, understand. No, it just flamed. <laughs> it just flamed. That fueled the flames. You I know. Thought, oh, before I stoked, thought. Before I thought. The fire. You know, before it's I thought. It's just when I want to have a fight, Ralph. It's just when I'm. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So um, yeah. So using Socratic questioning, which just just means rather than telling. <laughs> You ask, yes. right? So rather telling than tell, never, you ask. telling never yeah. works, guys. It just do, it yeah. doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, and then I would even ask, you know, like so when after after you feel like you fully understood them, right? I would repeat their what they've said back to them in a way that puts it in its best light. And this is called straw manning um, in in uh, rhetoric. So basically, you know, they say, "Well, here are my reasons." Oh, you you're know. actually trying to straw man them. Yeah. Sorry, not straw manning, steel manning. Apologies. Thanks oh, for picking that up. I was going to yeah. say. Okay, Thanks yeah. for picking that up. Apologies. Uh, yeah, steel manning. So, sorry, basically, they've, you know, they've, you've asked them, okay, so, you know, I'm really curious. Why do you say that? You know, why do you think that's important? Can you explain it to me? I want to understand. They explain it. If there's any part of it that doesn't make sense to you, you're like, oh, can you explain this bit a bit more? Because that doesn't make sense to me. Because it seems like what you're saying is this, and that doesn't make sense to me. Can you explain that a bit more? So, they explain it. And then when you feel like you understand what they're trying to tell you, you say, okay, so just let me see if I've got it, right? So what I hear you saying is this and this and this and this and therefore that, right? But you put it in its best light, right? So imagine that someone really articulate and really intelligent who really believed what they're saying was trying to explain it. Like how would they explain it, right? So explain in its best light. And then, then if they go, no, that's not quite it. It's more blah, 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 you know, and keep going until you, you've got, you know, that you both agree on what it is that they've said, Right. And then at the at the point where they go, yeah, that's exactly what I'm. That's exactly what I'm saying, right? That's exactly it. You've got it, right? At that point, that's when you go, huh? Well, thanks so much, you know, for sharing with that with me. That's really great because I didn't understand before what you're trying to explain, right? Um, would it be okay with you if I shared, you know, some of the things that I've been I've heard or I've been thinking about on this, you know, 
topic. Um, and so asking permission, you know, would it be okay if I mm. shared blah, blah, blah. Um, and generally what you'll find is uh, that if you've taken the trouble to actually listen to this person and genuinely attempted to understand them and show them that you actually want to understand them, that in fact you do understand them, they will be delighted to hear what you've got to say on the topic, right? Because you've mm. been extremely respectful and curious about their opinions. Yeah. Um, and so then you say, well, here's what, you know, you don't refer to them being wrong, right? You just say, well, here's, here's, here's my current understanding, right? You mm. say, well, you know, I've read this systematic review or I watched this, you know, lecture or I blah, 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 you know, here's where I got my knowledge from. My understanding is this and this and this and this and this, right? Not saying you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Just saying, hey, my understanding is when we cue, not you cue, when we cue, you know, for example, pelvic floor, that's an internal cue because they're focusing the person's attention on a point inside their body. And, you know, I've read a couple of systematic reviews that have, you know, found that it's more effective um, to focus people's attention on a point outside their body. Um, so that's, you know, that's basically my reason for not cueing pelvic floor, right? And so then, you know, you just like, uh, you can just like leave it there or you can say, you know, so, you know, I'd, I'd be grateful to hear what you make of that. You know, what are your thoughts on that, mm. right? And then you may or may not come to a point of agreement Right, but at least you'll understand each other's position, and they might go, you know what? Look, I've got a I've got a preference for doing it this way, but it feels like Chloe's got a really good reason for doing it her way. So maybe we can just live and let live here, right? And so maybe they'll go, yes. you know what? You you can you do it your way, I'll do it my way. We're all good, right? Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's an outcome, or maybe they go, you know what, Chloe? That sounds interesting. I'd like to read that systematic review, right? Or maybe they're like, yeah, no, nah, buggy you tradition, and. Yeah. You know, in which case you're looking for a new job or whatever, you know. Yeah. Perfect, Ralph. <laughs> yeah, like I think that was that was so – that's that's such a great – such a great way to go about it. And, yeah, I as, as I said, I think it's really important. I actually think it's important to be having conversations. I think we work – we work within an industry where we are – I mean, we the, our ultimate goal surely is to have our clients moving and <laughs> feeling good and all of these things, right? And we need to we need to constantly yeah, I don't know, we need to keep 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 refining, keep elevating and keep our you know, the critical discourse happening. I, th- yeah. I think it's really important. I think I think we have to get to a place in the Pilates industry where we where we're okay to have different ideas, different views, and where we can discuss them, you know, rationally and with curiosity and respect. And and as opposed to the emotional, yeah, yeah, the yeah. emotional response, yeah. yeah. And 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 when I and I think the the, the, the yeah, so that, that I think rational, you know, rational and respectful is very very important. But I think curiosity is is equally if not more crucial because yeah. if we're discussing discussing without curiosity, it's like, well, I'm not interested in learning anything here. I'm interested in telling, you know, mm. my point of view. So you're not going to learn anything in that situation because if, you, if you've if you both got a, a very strong disagreement about what's true here, well, you know, at least one of you are wrong, right? And mm. it might be you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you, know, I, you know, I think we talked about this before and we said like, you know, what does it feel like when you're wrong? Right, mm. and and we said, you know, oh, you know, it feels shameful. It feels, you know, frustrating. It feels whatever. It's like no, it feels like being right when you're wrong. You know, I mean, physicians for hundreds of years knew that, you know, things like cancer and, um, you know, low back pain and whatever were caused by imbalances between the black bile, yellow bile, blood mm-hmm. and phlegm. Right in your body, and the way they knew it. Right, it wasn't. It wasn't a theory. They, it was just like they knew it, and they knew that the best way to correct these imbalances was to bleed the patient. Right, to remove some of the bile or some of the blood or some of the phlegm or whatever to balance out the humors. Right, and you know, thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of people have been killed by being 
bled <laughs> by, uh, by yeah. physicians, right? But mm. it, the physicians weren't thinking, oh, you know, oh, I'm worried I'm, I'm wrong here, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm going to do it anyway. Mm. They, they knew it was correct, right? For, for you know, like they're, they're, we've known things, for, you know, so with such a high degree of certainty mm. that are incorrect. You know, there are people in the world right now who know for sure that the world is flat, right? Like they don't think they're wrong. They know they're right. They don't think they've got a theory that the world's flat. Or the, they the know the world's COVID-19 flat. is just a Caused cold by 5G and total conspiracy. And Bill Gates mm. is trying to microchip us all, you know. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, so when you're wrong, it doesn't feel like you're wrong. We have a sense of certainty. We tend to be overconfident. You know, there's lots of studies saying, showing that, you know, something like 75% of people consider themselves to be above average drivers, you know. Well, do the math. They can't all be right, right? Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, there's lots of areas, lots of areas of study, um, that show that humans tend to, we tend to overestimate our level of skill and knowledge, right? Yes. In general. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's not possible to, to, to intuitively have a sense of when you're right and when you're wrong about some empirical question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, is queuing pelvic floor the best way to work with his client or, mm. you know, should people stay in neutral spine when they have a sore back or, you know, like the intuitive sense of I know this to be true is not a good mm. guide to whether this is in fact true or not, right? Mm. Um, in, in a certain sense, that's kind of one of the key themes of this whole podcast, but, you know, not just today's episode, but but I think, you know, if you're going into a situation where, you you know, you, you're going – uh, you have an approach of like, okay, I'm pretty confident about what I understand here because I've done a bunch of reading and whatever, but I'm open to being, you know, to being educated, right? Because mm. it's a wide, wide world and the 10 systematic reviews I've read, there might be 30 systematic reviews I haven't read, you know, that say something different. So who knows? Mm. You know what? I'd like to just uh, share a little story about a, a – a colleague of yours and mine, um, mm-hmm. who uh, this just like an alternate, right? Because maybe maybe some people are out there going, "Oh crap! I don't want to have conversations. I don't want to change people's minds. I don't want to use Socratic reasoning. I just want to mm-hmm. bury my head in between my knees and just make it all go away, please." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, I think there, you know, sometimes that works. Uh, so this this uh, really awesome colleague of ours. Um, works full-time at Breathe Education and also uh, teaches Pilates on the side. Um, uh, and when she went for a job at a particular Pilates studio, um, they said, you know, there was a bunch of people you know, sitting there waiting to audition for this job and the, the employer came out and said, hey, look, just letting you know, everyone, that, you know, here are the criteria you'll be judged on. You know, you must, I think they said you must, you know, remind people to activate their cores at least five times or some number of times, right? And you must, you know, the, basically they had all these rules about what you had to do, how you, how you were supposed to teach, right? Mm-hmm. And this person was thinking, oh, that's the exact opposite of how I teach, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. breathe trained and I've been exposed to the evidence around cueing and core activation and stuff. And I, you know, that's not the way I, that's not the way I want to work. Mm-hmm. And so she was in this dilemma of like, you know, do I, you know, follow their rules and get the job potentially, or do I just kind of, you know, do it my way and, go, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to work here, but you know, this is how I teach. And so yeah. she decided She decided that she, 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 if she had to say the word core five times every class, she didn't want to work there, right? So she only wanted to work there if she could teach. You know, she liked the people. She liked the clients. She liked the, the vibe. She liked all this, But she just didn't want to be told that she had to use non-evidence-based cueing, basically. And so she just thought, well, you know, I'm just going to teach the way I teach, right? And if they like me, great. If not, I don't want to work here, right? If they don't like me for who I am, I'm not going to pretend to, you know, do something else. And so she did that. And then the people before and after her, because they were they were they were each other's clients in all the auditions, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so you know they were walking around going core, 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 core. You know, everyone was queuing their core every five times every exercise. And um, an hour later, she got the call and said, "You've got the job." And she was like, but I didn't say core. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but you're just an awesome teacher. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so they gave go, it, hey. and now she doesn't have to say core, right? And it turned out, right, that actually when they said, oh, you have to say core and you have to do this and you have to do that, they didn't actually care about those things. What they actually wanted was a great teacher, right? And if you're a studio owner, your definition of a great teacher is puts bums on reformers, right? Uh-huh. So, you know, they wanted someone who's going to have the clients, you know, coming back for more, you know, more times. And so they thought, okay, how do we how do we define that? How do we quantify that? Oh, you know, must be qualified, must, you know, be well presented, must have a clear speaking voice. They, they tried to list all the attributes of a, a great instructor. But in fact, the actual attribute they most cared about, in fact, the only one they cared about was, you know, gives an incredible class that the clients want to come back for more, right? Mm-hmm. And so they tried to make up all these rules about how you should do it, but they didn't actually care about the rules at the end of the day, Right. So maybe that thing that you're being asked to do, the person asking it, that's actually not what they want. What they want is their clients to have an amazing experience, get amazing results, you know, feel empowered and come back going, yeah, that teacher was awesome. Can I buy another 10-pack? You know, maybe that's what they want. So maybe if you just go on ahead and do it your way, right, and as long as you, you know, wow them, wow the clients, right, and have the clients walking out in the class going past the front desk talking to your employer going, oh, that was an awesome class, give her more classes, give him more classes, you know. Mm. Like, you know, maybe that's all you need to do. Maybe you don't need to have the big Socratic discussion or anything. Just let your, let your Lululemons do the talking. Let, let your own awesomeness, you know, I always say just – be you. Yeah. <laughs> be you. That's what that's what the clients are there for. So the more authentic you can be, the better. Cool combo, Raph. Hopefully we've we've yeah, and we'd love to hear if you have some if this is this sparks some conversations. Uh, we'd love to love to hear about it, how you went and yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a really awesome um, uh, group on that. I've got a bunch of YouTube videos called a street, street epistemology. Um, and they go around basically having conversations with their bunch of philosophers, philosophy students, philosophy teachers. They go around having conversations with people who have firmly entrenched and non-scientific views. So they might have, uh, conversations with like fundamental, uh, creationists or, um, you know, um, you know, fundamental Islam, um, people or you know people of different you know kind of fundamentalist stripes and they use this socratic questioning method um, and they have a surprising like a astounding number of successes where these people change their views right wow. uh, and you see it on camera right you see it happen on camera um, so it's it's quite in, quite incredible it's very impressive what they do um, and uh, yeah, and, they and they're like, not—they're not using motivational interviewing techniques. No, or? it's Socratic. It's Socratic questioning. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. Uh, and you know, there are a few other rules that they've got. It's pretty similar to motivational interviewing. I think these, there's a big cross amount of crossover. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's, it's really inc- they've actually written a book. Um, you know, how to change someone's mind. I think is um, the title. I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to it. But it's a really yeah, they're, they're really really impressive uh, the way that they. You know, they basically just approach random people on the street. Obviously, they go to some kind of Bible rally or whatever or whatever to try and find, you know, people who have certain sets of beliefs. Um, but then they basically they just – they manage to do this in a very respectful and curious and, and non-confrontational way, um, which I think is worth paying attention to. Mm, I'd love to – I'd love to watch that. I look forward to discovering it in the show notes. Mm, me too. Good, good talk. Thanks, Ralph. Thank you. See ya. Bye. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. 
It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.